T to G to I to F to A. Thank God it's first. Thank God it's first. Thank God it's first. Thank God it's first. T to G to I to F to A. Thank God it's first. Thank God it's first. Thank God it's first Friday. I'm Brother Luke Garwicky. Hi, I'm Brother Andrew Tory. And who's this other guy sitting next to us? Who is he, Brother Luke? What's your name? I'm Brother Vin Fam. Yes, that's Brother right. Vin. We got Brother Vin. You might know him from his YouTube channels, from his many videos he's put out there. His reflections. His Instagram account. His soon-to-be what date is coming up, Brother Vin? On the face of the assumption, August 15th. What's that's gonna incredible. Happen? What's going to happen? No, 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 keep, no, what, what else? <laughs> <laughs> Building suspense. So there's okay. an exciting date coming up that we'll get to very quickly, very soon. But uh, Brother Vin gave us a little shout out on a YouTube video and basically forced us twisting our arm to get him on our podcast. I know. So we're, we've decided to <laughs> consent to his request. So I've been waiting for this invitation finally. <laughs> uh, no, that's not true at all. We're really excited to have him. Uh, and before we get into our... The meat and potatoes, as Brother Andrew likes to say. Meat and potatoes. Yeah, there's, gonna, been, there's been a lot going on, right? Here a lot in, going on. Besides the fact that we are one week into Lent. Yes, that's true. Okay, so Ash Wednesday was last week. Uh, we have all have our commitments that we're trying to go towards conversion. It's not a time of sadness, but a time of trying to connect with God. Yeah, exactly. And one thing I love to remember about Lent, Brother Luke, is that the first Christians, those who were going to be baptized, the first, you know, first generations... They didn't live the period before Easter like, you know, gloomy and sullen and just crying all the time. They were excited because they were about to be initiated into the Paschal Mystery. And so they lived this period before Easter with, with yes, fasting and purification, but they were excited because they, they, they knew that they were going to receive this huge gift. So that, that always helps me when Lent starts to, to kind of take a step back from my fears about, you know, chocolate and, you know, enjoying the good things of life. Instead of thinking of, oh my goodness, 40 days, that's so long, to think of it as a countdown to Easter. Like, I yeah. only now have 30, yeah. I'm bad at math, but 32 days, 30 something, 30 days 30 something yeah. like that, yeah. uh, to offer myself to connect more with God. Like the Pope, Pope said in his Lenten letter, which is really good, I really liked it, and it's very short too, Yeah, that it's God giving us, it's an opportunity to continue a dialogue that he's already started with us from the time of creation, from the time that I was conceived. There's this dialogue that be- gets interrupted because we all get distracted with the, the things we do each day. So try to reconnect this Lent. What's one thing I can do to be less deaf to the voice of God in my life? Yeah. That's yeah. what I got from it. I really liked it. Uh, I also just got back from Medjugorje. Medjugorje. First time Man. Uh, ever going there. I'd heard so much about it living here in Italy. Uh, everyone seems to talk about it and they've had conversion experiences there. And... Uh, as yeah, as everyone knows, there's Marian apparitions that are still happening, and so being there was an awesome way to start Lent for me. Yeah, so I went up last Thursday and was with 16 pilgrims, a priest, and myself, and it was just a time to of silence to be with our Heavenly Mother to entrust my and all of our my brothers' uh, upcoming final vows. That's right. And Brother Vin's exciting date, we're still not going to say what it is yet. Mm-hmm. But putting all that in her hands and knowing that she listens to those prayers and she's going to take care of us. That's right. Yeah, Mary's awesome. And while you were there, well, you, you pretty much had it almost to yourselves, right? Yes, we had it almost to ourselves because as, yes. as everyone's hearing now and anytime you turn on the news or any radio station is the big bad coronavirus. coronavirus. That's right. The coronavirus is a, it's a big serious thing that's, that's, that's happening, right? Uh, here in Italy yesterday... 
the government just canceled school, all schools, all universities for the next 10 days. So, so we're here in our house, in our seminary, even though our university is right next door, we're, we're just staying, staying put for now, um, hoping and, and praying that, um, that this virus will be contained. And they've, uh, you know, here in Rome, we, we've been asked to receive communion in the hand, um, to abstain from the sign of peace. And also in our seminary, we've t- taken some norms to, you know, sort of be at a distance from one another and um, just wash our hands, all, all the stuff that we hear on, on, on TV. So, so yeah. we're taking it seriously. Um, but not too seriously. Not too seriously, but seriously. Seriously enough yeah. to hopefully contain this thing, but not that you live in fear. Right. Because that's, that's never good, because that's a lack of faith, lack of trust. That's right. Um, God will bring good out of every evil. We know that. So we have to right. believe that even this coronavirus is not exempt from God's providence. That's right. And one thing I love to think about the coronavirus is that you have this, you have this epidemic that's, that's happening in the world, and we've got to stop it. Well, that has a huge connection with what our vocation is. There's an epidemic in this world, and that's why Brother Vin is going to be what? A deacon. A deacon. Woo! Oh, my gosh. Brother Vin is going to be ordained to tame this devil of sin that's in the world. And that's, that's, that, that's a true epidemic. So before we get into Brother Vin, is going to introduce himself a little bit. My first impression of Brother Vin. So Brother Andrew, Brother Vin and I, and some others that are still here, uh, we all, in 2009, joined the candidacy, which was a two-month final discernment before entering and becoming a brother in the Legion. And my first impression of Brother Vin was seeing him play basketball. He's driving to the lane. He's like, super good and athletic and he's fast and he's tall. So I really couldn't defend him. I was pretty much helpless. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I defended a little bit. Yeah, that, was, <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> Sorry we're laughing for the Andrew. <laughs> this, this is just pure, pure laughing. <laughs> and, uh, and then he, he, he told us stories about, you know, he had motorcycle. He had various motorcycles and he would soup up his different cars he would buy and things. Had a mohawk. He's showing me pictures. Yeah. Do a backflip. Didn't you work for Mercedes? Yes, I did. I did. Wow. And so I just, I just remember thinking, wow, this guy is totally cool, very normal. Which was a relief when I first got to the seminary. I didn't know what to expect, and I just I saw that everyone was just normal, and I was able to breathe. I can. Or then maybe I can do this. Maybe I could be a priest too. Because um, I like to think I'm normal. I don't know how normal I am. Yeah, yeah. But. Yeah. Sure. Uh, and then one thing he said one night was one of the first nights, was, Mary. So our Heavenly Mother, Mary, is more real to me than my mom here on earth, my biological mother. And he explained a little bit, but I just remember walking away thinking, who, who are these people that have so much faith? And being very impressed from the beginning by Brother Vin's example. So with that introduction, Brother Vin, can you tell us a little bit about who you are? Yeah, so thank you for having me on the show. I, uh, um, let's see here. So just starting... From the very beginning, my parents were just always very faithful people. They're they're kind of directors of a movement right now. And so at home, growing up, my parents were pretty old-fashioned. They always wanted us to go to the seminary, go to the convents, and they're just kind of urging us on. So from the onset, it's not really something that we fell in love with. It's kind of something from at home. But uh, just growing up, we actually had a very, very beautiful family to grow up in in Southern California. And I got to enjoy a lot of life. And that's really the basis of my foundation, my story here, because I enjoyed life so much. I had such a great time with my family that when I was introduced to this vocation, it was actually during Lent, during Holy Week, because Holy Week actually has a really, really important, uh, important role in my, in my life and my vocation. This is where I found God. This is where I found my vocation. This is where I met Christ for the first time. 
and the day after I met Christ is when I met Mary. So maybe I'll get into that in a little bit. Okay. But some of my background, my family, I have uh, six siblings. My oldest sister has four kids, lives in Atlanta with my, uh, near my parents. And then my second brother also lives in Atlanta near my parents. And um, my second sister, she's a Dominican nun, a Dominican sister. She lives in uh, Houston. And she, uh, she's a woman of great faith because she never gave up on me. Because I entered another seminary when I was 17. Really? Yeah. After, I didn't know uh, that. Yeah, I got into two fights and they asked me to leave. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like the brother man I know. At seven, so at 17, you yeah. entered a seminary. It was actually, wow. actually, they didn't ask me to leave. They asked the other ones to leave, but I told the superior, I was like, no, I don't think this is for me. Even though I really loved the vocation, I wanted it. And the other guys did too, but it was just, it's a different atmosphere. Nothing against that. It just wasn't my vocation. So I left, but my sister never gave up on me because my older sister entered the convent when she was 17. I mean, no, 14. 14. She was 14. So young she young perpet- vocations in exactly. your family. Wow. She perpetually professed her vows even before I entered the, the religious life. So she's been there for about nine, 10 years before I entered. And then after her is myself. I'm 35, turning 36 this month. And then um, I have a younger sister who's getting married soon. So hopefully I get to make it back to the States for her wedding because I don't know if the coronavirus is going to into the U.S. Yeah. Being, uh, Fingers crossed. Hail Mary's. Right now. Yeah, we got to pray. Yeah. And then uh, my younger brother, he's, uh, he actually just got accepted to Ninja Warrior again for the third time. So Michael. Uh, yes, exactly. My younger Congratulations, brother. Michael. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> awesome. And then my youngest brother, he's a, he's, he's a doctor on residency right now in North Carolina. So and just to not to cut you off, but so his brother Peter was also with us in the candidacy, and then your brother Michael was there the next year. Yes, the year after. Year after. So you also see just God's ways; they're they're crazy. You never know, but yeah. it's it's amazing to see how generous your family's been. Yes. The fact that you have a sister as a nun, you have yourself, and then you have two other brothers. And I don't know the rest of your siblings very well, but I'm sure they're all very generous too. Your parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when someone says yes to God, it can be a scary thing, but it leads. To all these good things, yeah, it's cool how that how that how that affects a whole family, you know, like w- one person having a vocation, or I guess probably start with your parents, their fidelity to each other, their commitment to the faith, how that inspires mm-hmm. generosity and and love and and many other people. So it's not just for one person; it's for it's for the whole family. Yeah, I'm I'm absolutely convinced in the beauty of of the family that can bear fruit in the vocation. Not just the religious vocation, but just in their own marriages of the kids in the future as well. So that's why I feel in the future, as a priest, naturally, spiritually, I feel called to work with families. It's just I feel so inspired to work with young couples. Every boy that I work with, I see him as a future boyfriend, a future husband, a future father. And that's like, that inspires me to, yeah. you know, to help him to grow in the faith. And um, in our family, it's definitely there. Because we wouldn't be, my asking my older sister one time, the nun, like, uh, what, what was it that inspires our family so much? And it was always the examples of my parents, of our parents. And when God called me, I think I only knew how to respond in the same way that I've seen my parents do time and time again, just with generosity. Yeah. And that yes, and kind of with that faith too. That brings me to, uh, reminds me of our candidacy. And like in the beginning, the first few months when we were starting off, and I was with my younger brother and brother Luke was here and we were in the class. And they were giving us an explanation on you know, the vocation, the legion, the reigning Christian, everything. And I had no idea what this vocation was like. <laughs> yeah, when did, you, when did you find out about the legion? What, to give us context. So in early 2009, 
was when I visited once. I came up to, to Cheshire, Connecticut to visit a novice friend of mine. Okay. And I was totally not interested because I said, dude, I know what you're doing. I have a girlfriend. I'm about to get married. I'm not interested. <laughs> <laughs> so knock it off. I'm That's not, what they all say. <laughs> yep. I'm not coming. Long story short, I ended up coming. I drove through a snowstorm because I just saw an old picture of my car parked for the first time visiting. And it was just under like two feet of snow maybe in Cheshire. Your precious car. Exactly. Yeah. That I had to leave behind. Oh, man. <laughs> And I remember coming out of that class, the father gave us some news that was pretty devastating news about like what the what we're going into. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking the at my scandal, bro- right? The scandal, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. The scandal. And I was looking at my brother. I was like, I have no idea what this place is. And now they're giving us this news. What are we gonna do? And after that that class we came out, I looked at my brother and a really good friend of mine who entered as well, Viet Huang. Shout hey, out, Viet. Viet. <laughs> <laughs> I said, What are we going to do? Because it's either we leave now or we keep going forward. And we kind of just looked at each other and I said, I don't know what this place is. I don't know who that founder is, but never in my life has a, have I ever encountered Christ like I have here in this past month in the retreats that I've had here. So for me, this has been the greatest experience of my life. And I know that he wants me here and now. And that was during the candidacy. And there's always just one here and now, one step at a time. Has brought me here 11 years later. 11 years. I can't believe it's been 11 <laughs> years. And if oh my gosh. That, that's interesting you say that because to, I fast forward to 2020, just for a second, we can go back. But the situation with the founder, now with the abuses that everyone knows about, I think, um, it's still, it's crazy. And like people might say, like, are you sure you want to be a priest right now in this day and age? And especially a legionary, like, is that same, like, the faith and like finding Christ? 2009, I don't know, do you still see it in the same way? Do you see it? Yes, this is definitely a, sorry, this is definitely a topic of conversation for the brothers in our generation. As we're looking at each other, we're all going to be ordained deacons and priests and the Legion of Christ and the church. And, and we're, we kind of joke about it. We're like, are you sure you want to do this? We're kind of crazy. (laughs) And the general consensus, it's kind of weird. It's, it's really supernatural because all of this is part of the package of the vocation in which he's called us to. It's not like I, I feel like, oh, I'm, I'm an avenger of the spiritual life. I'm, I'm a superhero or anything. But it's just God's inviting us to bear this cross in some way, even though a part of that is not my, my fault or my doing that has caused like, the, the history that we have. But I'm not free from sin, right? And for some reason, he's given us the grace to want to, to say yes and to... I don't know, share the holiness because for me, I guess the question can always be, is this true? Is this vocation for real after all of this scandal? And for me, I don't know the history as well as I should. I, I know enough to where when I see the fathers, the older fathers and the brothers around me as men of God, men of holiness that I've never seen before in my life. And like going back to my past a little bit, I just, I really enjoyed life, meeting a lot of people, wholesome, good people, and I was really happy. But what really blew me away to this possibility of this vocation was to see men beyond anything I've ever seen before, but in a very simple way. Just kind, gentle-hearted, but men who actually loved. Not in a weird way, but like if I had a conversation with somebody, they would actually listen to me. They would actually hear what I had to say, or they would like pay attention, right? And like 
my mom, when she came to visit, she said, that's one of those things that really struck her. It's like there's a genuine kindness that fills these people. And that's what, for me, when I see a room full of men striving for holiness, though imperfect we are, that there's something here that's fueling these men, and I want to be a part of that. I want to spread that as well. That charity is something that we can kind of take for granted, just to talk about myself again. But coming back from Medjugorje, uh, I walked through the front doors of our house. Uh, we got back pretty late in the night, in the evening. And the first thing I saw was a younger priest helping an, an elderly priest walk down the hallway. The elderly priest, I think something recently something maybe had happened, but he was walking really, really slow. And I heard him twice apologize to the other priest, say, I'm so, I'm so sorry, this must be agonizing for you because like, we're going at such a slow rate. I should walk past them like three times <laughs> and they barely moved. But I was, I was so impressed by that charity, I guess being out five or six days and then coming back and the first thing you see is this younger priest taking all the time in the world to help this old elderly priest. But it's something that we see all around us every day, that there's brothers bending over backwards for other brothers, helping each other with, with yeah. studies, yeah, with yeah, yeah. your different responsibilities. Yeah, I wish we could share with the world like what we see and what we live each day because there's there's... There's a lot of really, you know, important, you know, news articles about about there about, you know, abuse cases that have happened in our in our order. And and you know, a lot of that is true and we have to deal with that, but it doesn't tell the whole story of like what life is like with us, you know. Um and not to I'm not saying that oh, you know, like we're just all a bunch of saints or whatever. I'm, I mean to say that at least the examples that I, Andrew, brother Andrew, that I see each day are are just they're just wonderful they like like brother vin like what you were saying like they they push me forward they they invite me to be more faithful to to christ they they help me to 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 climb a little bit higher on the ladder of holiness and for me the one of the biggest reasons why i am still a legionary is because of the men that are next to me because like i know how weak i am and i know it, it would just be really tough to to follow this vocation alone but with the men next to me and their, the example that they give me, I know I can. And I, I just wish, I wish there were a way that we could show the world that like, like we're really trying hard. We, we really, we want to serve the church. We want to, it's, you know, I don't know how to put it in words, but I think you, I think you get it. I think you get what I'm saying. I do have a little bit of that frustration as well. And it comes off in my, my social media or just my a reflection that I had was usually when somebody has social media, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, they try, to, they try to show the best aspect of their life, the best yeah. photos, the vacation pictures. So in a way, usually it's better than your daily life, right? But I found out that well, as I'm trying to develop my, my page as well, just to share the, the greatness of my vocation. Yeah, check him out, but, on, by the way, on Facebook. And also, do you have, you're on Instagram, I assume, right? On Instagram, Vin yes. Fam. He makes great videos. YouTube. Okay. Sorry. And his, actually his younger brother, Peter Fam, who is, who's, is studying to become a doctor, He's also, he started this great blog. What is it called? Um, Do you remember what it's called? Sorry, Upside Down Kingdom. Upside Down Kingdom. I've read a few of those. They're really yes. good. Yeah. Anyway, mm -hmm. sorry. To get back to your point. So one thing that I noticed is that I've seen the brothers here in the house. They have their social media accounts as well. But it's, to, it's really the opposite of what I've seen in the world because we do live an absolutely amazing life. There are moments where I'm walking around and it's like, I could die right now. And I was just telling Brother Luke the other day, it's like, <laughs> when I'm most happy, I want to die because it's just absolutely amazing sometimes. And it's just the simple gestures or, or whatever. But, and I can't express that. I can't express the simple joys of seeing that older or younger father working together or the kindness that I see here or 
just the community life or the holiness. Sometimes God gives you a light and it's just absolutely amazing. I can't express that on social media. So my frustration is the opposite of uh-huh. what, the rea- what the world usually <laughs> portrays, right? And I'm trying to do it as best as I can in my little snippets of my videos. Yeah. But I realize after I'm watching it, yes, there is a, to a degree a joy that I can show, but it's some so it's it comes up short. Yeah, that's why if you if you want to see the whole picture, you know, if you're a young man or somebody, you just got to come and see. That's what that's what we three did uh, in 2009. We 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 came to the Legion. We saw, and well, we stayed. And I think for everyone. Uh, to follow the Dunque hermeneutic. That's right. Because what you're saying makes you think that we're, right now we're talking about simple things. I'm talking about watching someone help someone else walk down the hallway. Uh, all the examples we're giving are day-to-day things. We don't see miracles and apparitions and all these things, but it's in the small things in our daily lives. And it's because thanks to the formation we've received and just Christian life in general, you begin to see God in the very small things in your life. And so Dunque hermeneutic, again, is... Yeah. Stepping back, that's right. Seeing the, your life from the perspective of God and saying, therefore, how, what is God trying to tell me yeah. through this? That's so important because He speaks through normal life. He doesn't speak through. It's it's very rare that God speaks to us through something extraordinary. That's just not the way He is. He's just very simple and humble, and that's we have to pay attention because those little signs can we can we can miss them if we're not attentive. Yes. But, but anyway, so you're going to be ordained, Brother Vin. Are you nervous? Ordained a deacon, my gosh. A little bit, but less than I thought I would be. Okay. Because in speaking with the other brothers again in our generation, we actually, on a human level, do feel quite prepared in a way, humbly speaking. Because mm-hmm. it's like when you do get to the chances to give catechism or speak to people or give kind of like spiritual direction, it's, you feel like God is really working through us miracles yeah and like the joy that we get from seeing the effects it has on other people we feel like well god though i don't feel ready i know that you can it's the time that you really could use me out there as your instrument and so in that sense kind of but spiritually speaking we feel so unworthy yeah that's that's good (laughs) that's a good sign that's good because no because nobody's worthy of receiving holy orders yeah and again because of the cross of which is part of the call right now. And the fact that we, we can say yes, it's part of, I don't know, that grace where I know you're unworthy, but you still can say yes. It's a, it's, I don't know how to explain it, but we, I feel like I, I posted it one time. I feel like we're standing in front of a mist, a fog, and we have no idea what's on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> but we hear his voice on the other side. We're standing together because I have my brothers. I feel like I can only live this vocation, say yes to this vocation, knowing that my brothers are alongside with me. But I can only say yes to the voice that I cannot see in the mist over, over there because, he, I mean, he, <laughs> it's hard to explain. Yeah, yeah. He's going to get there. Faith. It's, it's, it, it really is faith. And I get to see bits and pieces of it through the fruits of what he's shown in my vocation, the contact that I have with people. Not just outside, with the brothers here too. And how I feel inspired by the brothers. That's great. Can you give us like a little overview? Like, So you joined in 2009. And then now, 11 years later, you're about to be ordained. What's, what kind of, what's happened in between? Like, where have you gone? What, what have you learned or what have you studied? Those types of things. So in um, the novitiate, for me, for most people, they call it pretty tough, pretty tough. But for me, it was two years of, like, spiritual boot camp. Hmm. And coming from the world that I came from, for me, it was such a relief. 
I absolutely love Little Vision. Wow. It's weird. It's like I don't want to <laughs> kneel for so long and pray for so long. But in hindsight, when you're like, when you have a moment just to reflect on it, I absolutely love that period, even within it, not just looking way back years later. Mm-hmm. And so I enjoyed those moments. Um, the you, year you, you and Brother Luke were together in, yes, in, in Connecticut. In, yes. yes. And novitiate is a time that it's the beginning, it's the first stage, so it's a, almost a complete separation from the the world kind of outside the seminary. And so Families. we had, yeah, mm-hmm. we didn't, yeah, we had a couple phone calls each year, writing letters back and forth to your family, uh, really didn't have much use of internet and things like that. So you're, you can really focus and discern, is this what God wants from you or not? And then little by little, as you've gotten used to religious life, then you continue and you are kind of given more freedom, I guess, to have more contact, again, with the world outside. Mm-hmm. But now having like a strong basis mm-hmm. of, yeah, this, your identity as a, as a brother. And mm-hmm. yeah, you've seen that I, I want to do this and I believe God is calling me. Anyways. Yeah, just uh, the last snippet about novitiate is the words that are in front of, in the front of all of our novitiates. It's Christus Vita Vestra. It's Christ your life. And my only responsibility during those two years was make Christ my life. And for me, that's refreshing. It's a relief coming from a world where I worked at Mercedes and I needed to fix a certain certain amount of cars every day and have church responsibilities, home responsibilities. And then I wish it just Christ my life. And it, was, it was very freeing. And I absolutely enjoyed that. So, but the year after that, we did, we have a year of humanities. I really didn't enjoy that very much. <laughs> Humanities are like awesome. classical arts. Art, literature, <laughs> Latin, To each his own. Exactly. And then philosophy, we, and then I went from Connecticut to Rome for three years of philosophy. And actually, of my 11 years, philosophy was the most difficult year of my vocation, spiritually speaking. The reason why is because we had a lot more freedom coming into this bigger community. And there was a moment where I realized I was kind of like looking for my little likes, dislikes. It's kind of kind of um, moving away from the community on certain things is because, no, I like to do it this way. I don't always have to show up on time for these things or that or those things. And I realized I was reflecting and I said, those things that I want to do right now, it's much easier just to live it at home. Why even stay? Hmm. Yeah. And that really hit me because... But where did that come from or what? I was just deciding... The things I'm trying to do, I don't, I don't know. It's, it, the, the, re, the result was, if I'm going to stay, I'm going to embrace all of this. If I can't embrace all of this, why bother staying? Mm. Just go home. Authenticity. All or nothing. And so it was no longer a superior over my shoulder. It was, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. Because I want to do this. Because Christ is calling me to do it. And that is the reason why it was the most difficult moment for me. Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't because I was told, it's because now I want to. Your decision. Exactly. But that was a big changing point for me and my vocation. And so I finished off the year and then I went to, I did two years of internship in Cincinnati, Ohio. That's great. Internships like pastoral work. Yes. Like get your hands dirty. <laughs> and I did, I did boys clubs, visited families, and just a little bit of everything, um, preparing missions for Holy Week. And that was actually the moment that I met Raymond Christie for the first time. <laughs> I'd been a legionary for six years, <laughs> and I'd never met a Raymond Christie member, like face-to-face, have a conversation, yeah. or a consecrated woman. Uh-huh. And I actually initially asked to skip 
internship because it was uh, I felt like I was I was an older vocation. I didn't really need this pastoral year. He's got a young heart, but he's a little bit older <laughs> than the rest of us. <laughs> and I actually was blown away by that experience because I thought I had already had a grasp of my vocation, but until I met those Brendan Christie members in the consecrated, I didn't even know the fullness of my vocation in the sense of with the moms, I learned how to be a son. And with the consecrated, I learned how to be a brother to a sister. Because for the past six years, I've been a brother to a brother, which you're different to a, to a man. Right. right? And um, spiritually speaking, it has its implications. And they, uh, they really helped me to love the vocation so much more. I want to prepare myself more for the mission. And uh, so going back to theology, I took that with me. And it really, it's, it's really motivating to uh, take, as, take in as much of my studies and my formation as I can right now knowing that I'll be re returning back out there so that I can give what I can yeah. in the future. So going back out there, what are, you, what are your horizons, do you think, for your What's the future hold? first assignment? Well, we... <laughs> <laughs> we don't really know. We don't really know. Nobody knows, right. But. but there's a slight possibility. I did get a chance to work in the Philippines this past summer. and um, Exciting. Yes. And so to sum up my vocation, it's always been a surprise. I stopped making predictions because everywhere God has sent me, like internship, I asked not to go, and it was such a beautiful experience. And this experience with the Philippines was not really what I expected either, but amazing in so many ways. And God kind of shows me externally and through my, my reflections and internally in meshes. And so there's something there. And so I just, I run with that and I just offer that up to God. God, if you want, I would love to. I would mm -hmm. love to work there. Or yeah. wherever you send me, because I have no idea. It's always been a surprise. It's that mist, that fog that I don't know. But every step I've taken, he's shown me with so much clarity. And in proof of that, he's made me such... The man that I am today is not the man I was before. <laughs> and it's always that little yes every time. He bears fruit through my work, and he's changing me. So. It's a slow process. Conversion is a slow process because it's God doesn't want us just to be kind of different on the outside, like an appearance. Yeah, But exactly. really he wants to go deep. And that's and going back to Lent and this 40-day countdown to conversion into, into to Easter, we have to be patient with ourselves because we're going to keep falling. But the, the commitments we've made, especially, maybe most importantly, is the spiritual commitments, something like praying a little bit more or finding time right. to speak with God. But knowing that it's a slow process, but that's okay because our goal is God. And so if we can find a way this Lent to be with God, I, just, I had a really beautiful uh, testimony to that with one of the families. They have four kids, uh, and they went to Medjugorje with us in this pilgrimage last week. And they're a family that really prays together. And I saw a family where God is the center of their lives, and you see it in each of the kids and in, in, the, in the parents. And they're, they're joyful. They're really close to each other. They take care of each other. They're normal. They're fun. They're musical. They have just all these talents, but their life is, is God. For example, they have... A uh, timer that goes off at midday to pray the angels together. They have a timer that goes off at 3 o'clock to play, pray the Divine Mercy. They go to daily Mass. And it's just, it's just part of their everyday experience. And I think the more we can do that this Lent, especially to pray as a family with your spouse and with your kids, God, that conversion process, will it's, it's going to go deep. Yeah, that, that's, that's really beautiful. Um, it reminds me of, um, I, I was in France for a year. Uh, a couple years ago, doing some pastor work, and I got to visit Notre Dame Cathedral before the you know, before the terrible fire. Mm -hmm. And there's this beautiful, absolutely famous uh, rose window, the North Rose window, 
um, which is stained glass. And it sort of illustrates what you just described. Um, so you have all of these sort of like spokes on a wheel, sort of like um, jet jettisoning, jettisoning out from the center. And then uh, well, in the center you have Christ. Hmm. And so, but then everything else sort of turns around him. And there are all these different colors, blues and purples and greens and yellows. And you have all, all these different events and the apostles. And, but everything is turning around the central figure, Christ. And so the fact that God is in the center gives harmony to everything else. And that, just like what hmm. you just said, you know, if, if, if God's not in the center, then you're going to have, you know, well, there's not going to be any order, there's not going to be any, any beauty. But when he is, then everything else structures itself harmoniously around it. And you, and you have something extraordinarily beautiful. Like this family that you saw. That's, yeah, that's and it doesn't. It won't exempt you from difficulties and suffering. Right. It gives meaning to all those things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just on my last video, I just shared a slight angle on um, why we sacrifice for Lent. So, if you want another idea, if you still haven't thought of a sacrifice during Lent, there's still a lot of time left. You can check out my last video as well. All so right. My, my Instagram just before it was uh, bro underscore vin. So b r o underscore v i n h. That's right. It's on uh, Instagram or YouTube or Facebook. I highly recommend it because Brother Vin's a very authentic, down-to-earth, and at the same time, very spiritual, profound. Um, and so I'm very excited to see him as he continues on to become a deacon very soon. Yeah, that's exciting. Um, yeah. So yeah. definitely Please, recommend. Uh, so check, check him out on, on Facebook and Instagram and, and share his stuff because I've seen it. It's really good. It's really good. It's going to help a lot of people and bring him to Christ. Um, Next episode, Brother Angie, what can oh people man. look forward to? Oh, man. Well, Brother Luke, we're going to have an... Well, we just finished with the general chapter, right? Legionary's yes, we general did. chapter. Um, big event, month and a half long. So we're inviting a special guest. Extremely special guest that we're not going to say now, but Extremely you can guess. special guest. Do you want to write on our Facebook page, the TGIFF Facebook page, and guess, and maybe... Who the special guest is. Should we tell them if they guess it right? Um, maybe we can... We'll hint at it. We'll hint at it. Yeah, We'll right. hint at it. So with that, just remember, everybody, we don't just do... We do quay. God bless you. God bless.